With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. I was talking to a buddy this afternoon and he says, you know what, Reed? I find women in camouflage very attractive. I said, I don't know. I don't see it. What I do see is the Edmonton Oilers preseason schedule. That was announced today. Already getting ready for next year. Eight preseason games for the Oilers. It's going to start Sunday, September 25th with a 4 o'clock game against Winnipeg at Rogers Place. They're going to play at Seattle, at Calgary, home to Calgary, at Winnipeg, home to Vancouver, at Vancouver in Abbotsford, and then the final preseason game Friday, October 7th, a home game against Seattle. So a couple each against Seattle, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Vancouver for the Oilers preseason. The NHL draft round one is going to be Thursday night, rounds two through seven go Friday morning. The Oilers pick 29th overall in the first round. At the moment, they do not have a pick in rounds two through four. We'll see if that might change through a trade or two along the way. We'll uh, dive deeper into this draft between 6.30 and 7 tonight with Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino. Cosentino uh, did his mock draft, so he will expand on the player he thinks the Oilers might grab at 29th overall. I can tell you this, the last time the Oilers sort of picked in this vicinity and they they weren't picking quite this late but remember in 2017 they drafted 22nd overall and they took a young man by the name of Kyler Yamamoto and uh, I remember doing an interview with Cosentino leading into that draft and he said watch for the name Kyler Yamamoto I think that's who the Oilers are going to grab if he's available and he nailed that one so uh, we'll find out in about 48 hours if Cosentino is that accurate again but he'll give you uh, well he'll probably give you more than one name that might be there for the Oilers at 29 and they might be interested in uh so we'll, we'll get into that. I also want to talk to Cosentino because, first of all, he, he called the Yamamoto pick. So I want to see how he thinks of how Yamamoto's career has progressed. And, and don't forget, the 2017 draft was the one that brought Kale McCarr into the National Hockey League. And when you look back on that, and when people are looking back on it in another 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whenever, it's going to seem absurd that Kale McCarr went fourth overall. Uh, Nico Heeshear, Nolan Patrick, Miro Heiskanen, the top three. Elias Pettersson then went fifth. If uh, you were to redraft that year, there's no doubt about it. Kale McCarr goes first overall. And I remember even the morning of that draft, there was, you know, his his stock had kind of had been rising. More people had got to see him play. He was with Brooks in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And I, I remember there were some whispers that morning. Maybe New Jersey was going to step up and uh, grab him first overall. He didn't. Colorado who had had an awful regular season an absolutely awful regular season and then didn't get uh, selected in the draft lottery any of the three slots that were picked even though they had the you know the 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 best odds for each slot wound up dropping a fourth and still got the best player in the draft. So uh, Cosentino is going to look back on that for us as well. That is uh, pretty interesting and McCarr an incredible player. Mike Greer the former Edmonton Oiler has been named the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, replacing Doug Wilson, who'd 
been with the Sharks uh, for ages. He, he stepped away for some, because of some personal issues. Mike Greer uh, becomes the first black general manager in the history of the National Hockey League. So congratulations to the former Oiler, who was a pretty popular player when he was here. And what's really uh, interesting as well, how, how would you like this in the family? His brother, Chris, is the general manager of the Miami Dolphins. So, wow, what a trajectory for the two brothers, both general managers in the uh, big four pro sports in North America. Good stuff there for Mike Greer. Uh, Mike Greer, Andrew Cogliano returning to the Colorado Avalanche. One-year deal, $1.25 million contract. Uh, We'll have some clips from him as we move along tonight. He was on Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer earlier today. Brian Wiseman has uh, indeed left the Oilers coaching staff. I know this has been speculated on for, well, probably maybe I guess not weeks, but certainly days. Brian Wiseman will join the New York Islanders coaching staff as an assistant coach. So you got now in Edmonton Woodcroft as the head coach, Manson, an assistant, Gulletson, an assistant. They'll be looking to add uh, another assistant. So a little bit of note there from the uh, Oilers and the NHL as well. Team Brick Alberta is on the ice right now. They won their opener yesterday at the Brick Invitational at West Elm Thermal. They're playing Team Pennsylvania, who's come out of the gates at 0-2. And I'm really excited about this. After the game, we're going to have, uh, I believe, a coach and a player on from Team Brick at around 7.45 tonight. So immediate post-game reaction from their tilt against Team Pennsylvania. That's going to be pretty cool. Also on the show this evening, a member of your Edmonton Elks who has absolutely been booming punts to start his CFL career. Matt Mangle's going to check in and we'll also visit with our good buddy Cam Moon as we move along tonight as well. I'm always happy to hear from you. 780-496-0063 is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and you can email the show inside sports at 630ched.com. I, I, I'm assuming that the answer to this next question is going to be yes, but I'm wondering, have you ever watched a sporting event and seen a player mess up something and thought to yourself, I could have done that? Even if deep down you maybe knew, I maybe I, I couldn't do it in a game situation, but a, a mistake so frustratingly simple, uh, a play that, that should obviously be made, uh, that you're thinking, how could that guy miss that? How could, whether we're talking about a player missing an open net in hockey, uh, a layup in basketball, maybe a short putt in golf, where you're thinking, how could he not just tap it in? Or perhaps in in football, a a relatively straightaway kick. And if you saw the end of the Toronto-Winnipeg game last night, well, then you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Because Toronto... Trailing Winnipeg, they'd been up behind pretty much the entire game. At one point, it looked like it might get away from the Argos. They fight back. They get a touchdown with 25 seconds left. And you got Boris Beattie, who's got a huge leg, but it's not always the most accurate one. But still, it's the the, the, the 32-yard convert now in the CFL, which is, yes, a lot harder than the old 12-yard convert. But uh, still, the 32-yarder. And he misses it to tie the game. And the Argos don't even get it into overtime, and they and they take a loss. Now, the, the extra point on the kick is more difficult than it used to be. Both the CFL and the NFL have moved it back, so it's 32 yards. It used to be 12 in the CFL. You pretty much would never see a miss. It was a 20-yarder in the NFL. You might occasionally see a miss on those. Well, actually, sometimes you would see misses in, in pretty uh, crazy situations because I, I saw that last night. 
and it, it flashed me back, and we got this audio. This is from December 21st, 2003. Two wideouts to the left, one to the right from the shotgun. Brooks pumps, throws down the near sideline to Stallworth, and Stallworth tries to get away from some people and does to the 38-yard line. He needs a block. He needs a couple. There, They're going to lateral the ball to Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis tries to stay alive. He'll lateral it to Deuce. Deuce needing help. He laterals across the field, and the Saints are going to take it in with Payton. If this is legal, they've no. done it. No. Uh-uh. Jerome Payton <laughs> diving into the end zone. I mean, you can't tell me that I just witnessed what I just saw take place. All sorts of incredible plays along the line for the Saints to stay alive, pending the extra point by John Carney. And he missed. No! He missed the extra point wide right. Oh my God, how could he do that? This one is over as John Carney misses his first extra point of the season. Okay, that, that's a play from the NFL I always remember. That, that, is, that is a play from the NFL I always remember. So yet probably rings a bell, especially if you're an NFL fan or a football fan and you were old enough to be following football in December of 2003. Perhaps the younger of you in the audience won't remember that game. So the Saints are down against Jacksonville. They try this, as teams often do, a play with numerous laterals just to keep the ball alive and not being tackled. It almost never works. The reason we say almost is because that one worked. After several laterals, the Saints got the touchdown. To pull within a point, no time on the clock. You got a 20-yard extra point. Hooray, hooray, the game's going to overtime, and John Carney misses, who was a great kicker. And earlier that day, Sean Payton, the coach of the Saints, said, I would bet my life on this guy making a big kick for us. He misses that one. And Payton said after the game, well, I guess if I would have actually made that bet, I would be dead, but I'm shocked that he missed. So <laughs> that was, and just especially in that scenario, because the Saints pull off like one of the all time desperation plays. I'm not just going to say in pro football, I'm going to say in sports. Like that's, that's like a buzzer beater from your own end of the court with your eyes closed and blindfolded, and people are throwing M&Ms at you while you're trying to make the shot. I, I I don't know why I thought of M&Ms. There'd probably be things that could be thrown at a basketball player more distracting than M&Ms, but you know what I'm saying? So they, they pull off this crazy play and then the easiest part of tying the game, the 20 yard extra point goes wide. But, but sometimes that happens. I, I remember uh, Kellen Kennedy is back at the uh, 630 Chet broadcast. Hello. Kellen, how are you doing? Doing great. So I, I always remember the uh, the one year. Do you remember when Paul McCallum missed that short kick? Two thousand and four, I think that was. Two thousand four. So, yes. so the Riders unfortunately upset Edmonton at Commonwealth mm -hmm. in the uh, West semifinal. Yeah. And they go into BC, and the game goes to overtime, and it's twenty four twenty four. And McCallum has uh, what I believe was an eighteen or nineteen yard field goal, not from straight on, mind you, mm -hmm. but he completely missed it. <laughs> So yep. I was working at uh, I was working at Lloyd Minster at the time, so I I thought okay we got to have fun with this as a news story. So I'll get a couple guys from the local uh, from Lloyd Comp the the high school team, and they'll kind of explain the the snap and the and the hold and the kick, you know the the little fundamental things that that have to go in it. 
and then all try to make a 19-yard field goal from that same spot on the field. So we we actually had to film it twice because what I did was I thought, I'm just going to go out in what I'm wearing. I'm not going to warm up. I'm not going to put on actual football. I mean, it's, I, I don't know if people know this. When I worked at the TV station in Lloydminster, I didn't keep a, f- a football gear uh, next to my desk. So we just go out there, and the, the first kick I tried – I missed because I was wearing, I, I just had slip-on dress shoes and my shoe flew off as I swung my foot at the ball. So I, I kind of made contact with the ball. Mm-hmm. So I, so, but we were filming this in what in the TV business is called a stand-up, you know, where the reporter does something, you know, the reporter appears in the story. Except for me, I, I said something like yada, 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 and then they snapped the ball. And then the second time, I made the kick. And then I turned to the camera and said, even a sportscaster in his dress shoes could do it. Now, I didn't have uh, anybody charging at me, and I didn't have the uh, the pressure of a CFL playoff game on the line. But I, mm-hmm. I remember doing that as a fun little story. So I anyway, when I, when I, sorry, Kellen, go ahead. I was going to say, that was the infamous uh, manure gate kick, I do believe they call that in Saskatchewan too. Well, you I know how was... I hate the suffix gate being put on things. <laughs> but yes, after that kick, unfortunately, Paul McCallum, uh, had uh, some Saskatchewan fans, and not all, let's face it, as much as I have fun with Rough Riders fans, they are incredible. They are the uh, the best fan base in the Canadian Football League, and uh, they are extremely passionate. But yes, some of them were a little too passionate after that, and they, they chose to dump some manure. Wasn't there a story that, that some of it wasn't even dumped on his house? Yeah, it was hit, some of it ended driveway. up on his neighbor's just lawn and that yeah, stuff too. Some just... people didn't know. Like this is this is the great thing about inside sports. We get. I just typed in Paul McCallum manure into the old Google machine. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's the uh, the house was later pelted with eggs and manure was dropped off along with notes directed at McCallum. The police say other right. threats were made against McCallum as well. They actually charged somebody with uh, uttering threats. I don't know. What yeah, and I think that was the end of so, McCallum in Saskatchewan, so, too. He went so to BC this is, next so this, this is the perfect night, I guess, to have a kicker on the show a little bit later on. Sure. And even though he's not he's not a place kicker, he's a, he's a punter. Um, but I'm sure he's had a bad kick or two in, in his life, and we can ask him if he's ever had uh, manure dumped on his... Like, he could be who knows? Maybe he has experience with manure. Like David Beard works on on the ranch during the season. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Matt Mengel's out there helping David Beard spread manure. I don't know. Could be something like that going on. Anyway, uh, always uh, happy to hear from you. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If if you're a kicker and you ever choked on a kick or had a glorious kick, you can call. I'm sure somebody out there kicked in high school, university. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Peewee, something like that. Uh, you're welcome to participate in the show at 780-496-0063. We're to call a quick timeout. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Okay, 
Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, the Edmonton Elks have a game coming up. It's on Thursday. It's on 6.30. Chad, the countdown to kickoff will be at 5.30. The game at 7 as they take on the Stampeders for the second time this season. The uh, Elks coming off that dramatic victory on a defensive score on Friday in Hamilton to get their first victory of the season. The West already off and running. Winnipeg's now 4-0. BC's 3-0. Calgary's 3-0. Saskatchewan's 3-1. Edmonton 1-3. Now, here's the thing. Look, I think this is going to be a season in which we see the Elks build and we see them improve. And uh, I, I, it's way too early. I've, I've seen enough CFL seasons that, I, that I'm not going to count them out of the playoffs. You might be more looking at a crossover into the East. But here's the thing. Winnipeg, BC, Winnipeg has not played a team in the West. So they're 4-0 against the East. BC, Calgary, and Saskatchewan have only played one game in the West, all against Edmonton. Now, they did win, but these teams are going to start winning each other. The Elks still have a lot of games left against Eastern teams, which clearly is is the weaker division. And uh, I think the Elks are going to be able to pull off some wins against, you know, the Calgary's and Saskatchewan's and BC's of the world themselves. So uh, I still think it's going to be an interesting season for the Elks here as we uh, move along. Chris Jones uh, commented today on uh, extra points being missed and costing teams. You don't think about it because it's a 85 to 90 percent scoring opportunity, and you know that's what I try to stress to our guys. And you know we uh, we come out and you know a lot of times don't pay attention to the details. And again, it takes one guy to not you know we got vertical push through the A gaps the other night that could have very well you know ended up getting a getting a kick block. Uh, and, and we've got to do a great job of, of scoring when we have opportunities to score. All right, so that's a little bit there from uh, Chris Jones. It, it, it's funny with that extra point. It still feels automatic, even though it's not as automatic as it used to be. It's still from a distance that should be made. The The kicker can place it. If he likes it straight on, great. If he wants it a little bit of an angle, he gets to place that. He picks where the ball is scrimmaged. So it's still maybe somewhat surprising when a kick is missed, and especially when Beattie shanks that one last night that would have tied the game. All right, what have uh, some people written in tonight, Kellen? A couple of quick ones here for you, Reed. Uh, the first one from John says, Yes, Reed, I've seen a pro athlete mess up so badly, something so simple, countless times after all I watched Mike Smith play. Well... <laughs> Well, what can you say? We're, we're not going to do a Mike Smith show, but we know what his puck handling was like. He's, he's still pretty darn good at it, but unfortunately when it went wrong, it, uh, it sometimes went very wrong. Mm-hmm, exactly. And then uh, Eric just texts in and says, Paul McCallum, oof. Well, I wonder if he's a Riders fan, the uh, gentleman who texted that. That's, uh, that's one of those memorable misses for me. Uh, I mean, obviously, there there have been others along the way, but I remember McCallan missed that, and he just crumpled to the ground and kind of threw his hands up around his helmet because he knew that uh, he, he knew that he'd messed it up. Do you remember the name of the kicker for the Lions that then made the winning kick in that game? I do not. I believe that was the year Duncan O'Manny was their kicker. Remember him? Okay, yeah. Name is familiar now. I, I, I believe uh, he was the place kicker for the Lions in that game. I think they ran a play on first down and then just uh, ran him out to win the game. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was... Uh, yeah, he was with the team at that time. Anyway, okay, we got to call a quick timeout. Sam Cosentino with a preview of the NHL draft. That's coming up next on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.